Hello and welcome to Next on WQLN. I'm your host, Marcus Atkinson. If you're on social media, follow us on Twitter at 814NEXT. Like our page on Facebook. Feel free to comment on both platforms. Lend your voices to the debate. Uh, For those listening on radio, thank you for tuning in. Last month, we had a unique pleasure of talking about Father's Day and relationships between fathers and sons. And this is somewhat of a continuation and we'll profile Two individuals that have done a great deal of great work in the city of Erie, uh, Matt Harris and Bishop Dwayne Brock, will talk about the various programs that they've built and what they're doing in community. But we want to start with Matt Harris and talk a little bit about not just his program character be about it, but in uh, in keeping in harmony with our program last month. I want to key in on the father-son relationship at first because that was the impetus behind him wanting to launch a program like this, and I was excited when I found out about Matt doing this program because having known him since childhood and knowing his family, in my opinion, this was one of the um, the best parts about the program. The person's background speaks to the subject that he's teaching. I know that what he's trying to impart to our children, that someone has intentionally imparted these things into him and his siblings. So I'm excited about the fact that he's been accessing our children with this wonderful curriculum. So with that being said, I want to welcome Mr. Matthew Harris to our show. Matt, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. All right. And Matt's father, Mr. Cleo Harris. Mr. Harris, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. So we'll start with this father-son thing at first. <laughs> um, a little backdrop. I know I'm an SV alum. We uh, went to Strong Vincent together. Right. One of the highlights of my high school career. I'm no a doubt. freshman at Strong Vincent when we won the state championship. And Matt was one of the starting guards on the team. Yes, great time, great time. Remember, <laughs> remember it like it was yesterday. Like it was yesterday. You aren't the only one. <laughs> and we remember it was, when we think about the Harris family, I have to say this respectfully, Mr. Harris, <laughs> we, we used to jokingly refer to you all as the Huxtables. No doubt about it. <laughs> <laughs> because, you know, when you looked at what the Huxtables represented on television, yeah. and that nuclear family for so many people, yeah. It was not something that they were familiar with. And you and your brothers and your sisters, your parents, it was just that family that so many people envision when you think about having a family. And so that was kind of the the on-running joke. But the joke came from the fact that we just had a lot of respect for your nuclear family. Right. Okay? So the effect that the family unit and Mr. Harris's influence on you in particular had growing up talk about that a little bit before we talk about your program yeah the the growing up like you said our siblings we were three boys and three girls we were all a year behind each other and you know going back to the strong vincent days you know the teachers knew a harris was coming up next and you know they they referred to us really as the black brady bunch you know we were the <laughs> we, were, we were the black brady bunch minus the minus the maid we didn't have alice because we were all alice who's an sv alum exactly sv alum right <laughs> And so, um, but it came through the hard work. You know, things started at home. My mom was a stay-at-home mom and caretaker of us six. My dad worked two jobs, and we were a tight-knit group. And hard work was instilled in us at an early age from watching my dad work two jobs, come home at work. Um, and we saw that for every, every day growing up. 
that was instilled in us and nothing came easy. And if we wanted some things, wanted whatever, we had to go work for it. Mm -hmm. So, you know, yeah, I, I played basketball. I was on the state championship basketball team. But after practice, guess what? My dad was outside in the truck ready to go do some jobs and throw bags on the truck. And, you know, and I'm like, Dad, really? We got to do this now? You know, but that was the way we, we grew up. And it was instilled in us that, um, and I was very fortunate to have parents like that to, to um, pave the way for us in that way. Mm -hmm. So last month, Mr. Harris, we had a discussion about a book called Conversations with My Dad. And that, that writer, Donald Middleton, came on and talked to us about what made him write the book. And we analyzed the whole dynamic of father-son relationships and some of the things that fathers try to intentionally inculcate into their sons. Give us an example of some things specifically for your boys that you wanted to teach them as men as you were raising them. Well, what started out was the way my father taught me. Um, if you get a job, you do 110%. They want you to do 70%, you do 110. Always do extra. It's not gonna hurt you. Uh, you can't outwork yourself and, and then want somebody to do something for you. You have to do it for yourself. And that's what I try to teach all of them. Whatever you do, do 110%. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. What was Matt like growing up? Uh, Matt was the um, crybaby type. Um, <laughs> I think that. <laughs> uh, he, he had his own mind. If you tell him to do something, he would do it, but he would kind of question you why you do it. But he would do it right, though. And he had his own mind. He, out of all the boys, he had his own mind, which way to do stuff, and he, that's what instilled him to, I guess, come the person that he is now, because he definitely had his own mind how to do stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So disclaimer: the crybaby part. The, these are the opinions of the guests, and they do not necessarily reflect the views right. of the. Yeah. Maybe I shouldn't have put that on. No, me. you're fine. And listen, you, you had the best seat of the house. This is a product of your upbringing. Mm -hmm. So, as you are, as you're raising Matt, and he gets to high school, as he's developing into a young man, and he's coming into his own. What are some of the things you're starting to notice about Matt as he's becoming a man? Um, his character, his character. Um, a lot of, most of all my kids, the, 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 the worst ethic came, came from me, but the character came from his mom. Mm. She had a lot to do with all the kids because she mm -hmm. was there with 24-7 with him, you know. Mm -hmm. And I did a lot of working, but she, but, but she actually raised the kids because she was there all the time. Mm -hmm. And that's where the character come from. Mm -hmm. And they were very strong, because she, she's a strong-minded woman, went to school, disciplined, she did more discipline than I did, but that was part of her her, her job, to, mm -hmm. you know, to come and say, because she never worked, you know. So that, that, that part came from the mom, mm -hmm. yeah. So Matt, you know, as I think back to our childhood, you know, I put Mr. Harris in the category with another man in our neighborhood, Mr. Isaac Blanks, Blanks. father of Billy Blanks and John Blanks and right. that whole crew. Just old school rock solid men that yeah. literally the neighborhood, not just saying it because we're on the show, literally the neighborhood just had a lot of respect for. Right. Give us a snapshot of the way you viewed your father growing up and what things may have struck you about how he went about his day-to-day -day affairs. Uh, just watching the, well, the day-to-day, -day, like I said, he was a hard worker. Um, 
two jobs, worked at Hammer Mill Paper Company for 30, 40 years. I can't re recall the exact number. And then after work, he's on the truck doing jobs and, you know, all day. And we were we became a part of that, of course, um, as we were able to as we grew up. So that's what I saw. And that's what our whole family saw. You know, my brothers, we all saw that. And then it was easy for me. You know, that was part of my life. So it was easy for me to say, OK, work, 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 do it right. I watched how my dad did things on the jobs, how he had repeat customers, companies that uh, his phone rang 24 seven. Mm -hmm. Call Mr. Harris, call Mr. Harris. He does a great job. He does a great job. That's all you heard growing up. And um, that was instilled in me. And that's what I saw. And give us something that frustrated you then that you now look back at and say, OK, I get it. <laughs> oh, there's a lot. <laughs> uh, the Saturdays, you know, the Saturdays where you thought as a kid growing up, those are your days. Not in our house. It was up at six or seven o'clock and we were out on the truck until 12, one, two o'clock. Full truck, leaving the house on the empty, with the empty truck, coming back home on a full truck. I remember our truck, my dad used to pack the truck so high we could drive under a stoplight and we could touch a stoplight. That's how high we were. He didn't play around. He didn't, no room, <laughs> no room at the end. He filled it up. And so um, those were the things that you just kind of stick with you. You thought the Saturdays were yours, and but we were working. Mm. Yep, we were working. So, Mr. Harris, you have your character be about it hat on. Yes. And your son launches this program. Get my chair together. Your son launches this program. When he first started to do this, how did you, if you can remember, how, how did you feel? What was kind of your outlook on it? And did he discuss this whole concept with you before he launched it? Well, actually, when the program first started, he actually discussed it with his mom first. Mm. She had more in, input with the, um, with the, um, I'll say with the outreach of it than I did. Because um, he would speak to her more often than me, but I would always come around and Yes, it or no, it at the end, you know. But actually, the mom would give him a lot of part part of that character program. Mm -hmm. Yeah, she was the one who who really forced and pushed it, and she added a little bits and tips to it too. But she was the pusher. So I went to a Jefferson Education Society's program where Matt's uh, program was featured, mm -hmm. and you and your family were there. Mm -hmm. And as you look at the impact that it's having on the community right now, and for the listeners or the viewers, bear with us because we'll, we'll unpack what the program is really about. But as you look at the impact that it's having on community, uh, give us a, a sense of how that makes you feel. Well, it makes me feel pretty good. Even in the, the neighborhood that I'm in now, uh, West 18th Street, um, I've been there 40 years now, and um, when the kids were coming up, a lot of the neighbors would say, I didn't know you had any kids. It was no running the streets or nothing. Everything had, it was in the backyard and on the truck or working, you know. Mm -hmm. But it was no running all around the streets. So they said they never knew I had that many kids. But um, in the neighborhood, the neighborhood, some say a lot of people moved out. But it stayed the same that we stayed there, and we never had any trouble there. Been there 40 years now. And that's on West 18th Street. Some say it's... They call it Little Italy the ghetto, you know, uh, the different names. But uh, I raised six kids there with no problem. 
Mm-hmm. No problem. Yeah. So, Matt, before we segue out and bring in Bishop Brock, yeah. if you had to put it in a nutshell in terms of what your father's influence on not just, you know, the impetus behind doing this program, but your father's influence on your life and the man that you've become, you know, Matt, the husband, the father, the community guy, what's that greatest learning? What would you how would you tie that up? Just uh, the I'll go back to the work ethic, um, caring. Like I'm one of the fortunate ones that I talked at the Jefferson Society. There's thousands of youth out here that are born into unfortunate situations. I was born into a fortunate situation where I had a mother and father that were on me 24-7 to do right. And so when I, as a trooper for 20 years and going into homes and those things, and you see the neglect, the negativity, this was easy for me to start this program. So going back to my parents and my dad, the caring and making sure we were on task, that's transcended over to where I'm at now and making sure we do it the right way, 110%, and helping as many youth that we can to keep them out of the juvenile system. So all those things tie into why we're here today. Excellent. So we'll queue up a video that kind of breaks down your program. But meanwhile, Mr. Harris, thank you so much oh, for coming you. on the show and, having it. And, and taking time okay, to talk okay. about you know, your son and your relationship. We appreciate you sharing intimate thoughts. We'll bring Bishop Brock in. And meanwhile, here's a snapshot of character be about it. Role models help shape our lives. They help us build character in our society. It's important for young people to see this in action. Character Be About It is an organization establishing programs in the school districts that promotes the importance of self-worth and strong character. With the help of our state troopers, they're working hard to instill a positive understanding of law enforcement while creating an environment with social responsibility. We would love to be part of your community. Brought to you by Lilly Broadcasting. So that clip gives us the basics of your program and right. you started that you were a state trooper for 20 years mm-hmm. leading into it yes give us a synopsis of what you hope to accomplish with this program before we segue in to bishop the pro- the program was initially designed to improve student law enforcement relationships on the job uh 20 years as a trooper going into homes and seeing unfortunate situations the domestic violence you're going in and you're seeing youth that are put in situations, no fault of their own, born into these uh, terrible situations. So when you're going into homes and you're having to call children's services for 20 years, when after I have to arrest a mother or a father or brother and sister or a caretaker, you see you have to, your little Johnny or the child there, they, they're, they're in no man's land. So they have to uh, rely on some other caretaker to take care of them mm-hmm. other than their mother and father. So. The emphasis on student law enforcement relationships and trying to end that stigma of school to prison cycle and keeping them out of the juvenile justice system. That's what the program was started for. So we'll go over to Bishop Dwayne Brock. This is a wonderful segue because we talked to Matt about what lessons that he's learned from his father and the things that he's gotten from him. There are so many young men who haven't had the benefit of this type of relationship. And to that demographic in particular, you and the Eagle's Nest have been very critical in the lives of hundreds, if not thousands, of young men. Uh, first of all, welcome to the show. 
Thank you so much for having me. Yes. I'm, I'm, and let me say I'm very proud of you <laughs> and, Thank you, and the great things that you are doing within the community at large. And of course, uh, with Matt, I feel like both of you are the dynamic duo. So <laughs> I'm in good company. Thank you. Thank you. The genesis of the Eagle's Nest. Talk briefly about your background leading up to it and then the launch of and the impetus behind launching the Eagle's Nest. Well, um, Father's Day coming, I will have my anniversary. I've been in the city now for uh, 40 years. Mm. And um, since that time, I have buried more young people, young men specifically, who have died unnecessarily, gunshot wounds, uh, drug inducements, and, and the whole gambit. And so there comes a time that you get tired of uh, the unnecessary deaths, the violence, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I'm known down at the courthouse, all the judges know me, and, and uh, talking with them and sharing with them and, and trying to pull our people out of uh, negative situations and whatnot. I'm sure Matt can identify with that. Mm -hmm. So what we've had to do was develop a preventive aspect of, of ministry mm. and uh, reach young men and young adults. L let me preface by saying that we have, in, in 1973, the total prison population in our country was about 300,000 people. Mm. Today we have well over 2 million, and 1 million happen to be African-American males. Something is wrong somewhere. And when, when, father, when the father is absent from the home, when the father is absent from the family, it, it, there is a very, very difficult responsibility upon the mother to have to raise their sons. And so with the Eagle's Nest uh, a program, what we have done, we, we were able to marshal the resources and marshal people to come together to teach our young people um, what Mr. Harris was previously talking about, the work ethic, mm -hmm. about going to work and, and many times going into a different culture, but yet going to work, understanding the work ethic, understanding basic human capitalism. How does it work that this company will pay you to help them make money? So your responsibility is to go to work, go to work on time, and as Mr. Harris put it, you give 100% and 110% that he stated, and then of course th they will pay you. So we teach them that entire dynamic, but not only that, we teach them that once you get a paycheck, what to do with it. So we've run into so many, too many of our young people. Uh, they don't have a Pennsylvania State ID, don't have a driver's license, don't have a GED or high school diploma, don't have any bank accounts, don't have any life insurance, and now, and so in essence, in the, the capitalistic world, they do not exist. So we have to teach them and train them how to be effective and how to be achievers and how to be successful in today's society. Can I go after a term that I've heard you use time and time again where work is concerned? You've often referred to the dignity of work, the dignity of gainful employment. Why, what does, tie that together for us. Why use that term when you're talking about work? Well, there, there is a fascination about buying your first television set. Mm -hmm. No one gave it to me. I worked for it, and I bought it. I remember years ago that I, I bought my first television set, 
And I happened, uh, I'm from Cincinnati, and I called my dad long distance and told him, I said, now, Dad, I know this doesn't mean anything to you, but I just want you to know I bought a television set. <laughs> my father started laughing. He said, wait a minute, let me correct you. He said, that means the world to me. And he talked about the dignity of work. There's something about when you work to earn something. Mm -hmm. It's all right for people to give you things, but when you, through blood, sweat, and tears, and, and you've made the proper preparation, and you get up early, and you go to work, and you're able to buy things yourself, it brings about a dignity. Mm -hmm. So you are, to many, a, a very stern man. <laughs> no, you smart not. When I say that. <laughs> I've been called that. Okay, yes, but yes, I, I yes. want to get a sense of even the, the photo that they have in the Eerie Times with you with the arms <laughs> crossed and you looking physically imposing. Oh my God! The sensitive side. What, give me something that breaks your heart in community that actually, in the quiet of your own time, you know, moves you to tears that that you struggle with on a on a regular basis. Love is my motivation. I do what I do because I love people. I love God, number one. Number two, I love people. I see people living far beneath the privilege of, of life. Um, I see young ladies um, involved in illicit activities that will come back, and as my expression is, they will come back and bite them later. I see young men not knowing how to be young men. Um, uh, just the other day, uh, my day was broken up where a young lady, come, uh, she was a light-complected African-American girl. She comes in, her boyfriend had just mangled her face, beat her hmm. beyond recognition. I'd never seen anything like it. That type of thing where um, she, she, I don't know the actual circumstances, but for her to have to go through that right. and not knowing what to do or not knowing where to go, or where even a young man becomes that angry where he feels that he has a right to put his hands in a negative way on this young lady. That type of dynamic are issues that I deal with on a day-by-day -day basis, and I'm motivated by love. And I recognize that the principles of life don't change. So if there's going to be change, then I'm going to have to be the one that's going to have to affect that change. And so I let people understand when they come to my class, you better be there on time. And if you come late three times, I'm going to either dock you because I pay them to come to class or they are fired. This is how the real world works. And so I'm giving them a precursor to how life is about. Mm -hmm. It's not fair, but yet it's what life is about. And so your love for God, your love for people. Matt, you talked a bit about your background as a state trooper. You alluded to or you stated plainly mm -hmm. that you've seen a lot of things right. as a state trooper, things that stay with you oh, yeah. and things that, that make you say, wow, I, I wish I could do something about that. That's played into your journey. And if so, tell us how. Well, you know, talking about that, the, 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 the word, one of the words I would use is hope. You know, I had an opportunity growing up. I had loving parents that cared for me mother, father that were there with me day to day, making sure I stayed out of trouble. I was getting my classwork done. If when I started working in 10th grade, uh, I was on time, like the bishop mentioned, on time, doing, my, doing what I needed to do. Going into homes for 20 years as a, a state trooper, you're seeing the opposite. You know, we're reactionary. There's no prevention going on. And giving these youth hope is what my program is about mentoring you know, when, this, when the troopers or officers are in the classroom, 
they're giving these third, fourth, fifth, sixth graders hope of, hey, that, that guy is a state trooper or a police officer, but he's just like me. He's talking to me, asking me questions. Mm -hmm. And now those kids that are sitting in the corner, you know, because the teachers are busy with their day to day and maybe not giving little Johnny enough attention, they're talking, the, the officers are talking to him. So that hope, that mentoring, those are the things that I had growing up and I'm trying to give that back and it's working. So you're going after <clears throat> something, and I'll let Bishop comment on this afterwards. You're going after something that the, co the country is struggling with uh, greatly, and that's this relationship between the community, the African-American community in particular, and oh, law yeah. enforcement. Oh, yeah. And what's so unique about your program is it's troopers teaching kids. All of your instructors, if I'm not mistaken, mm -hmm. are state troopers Correct. or law enforcement. Correct. Okay. Why was that the decision? Because you could have chosen any demographic to teach right. these young people. Why did you go that route? Simply put, that's we're, we're looked at as the people, the, the, the group that you're going to call someone when you, when you have a problem. Who are you going to call? Whether it's an accident, domestic, certain situations, you're looked at to go into a situation and be in control. So if you've got the right group of men and women that want to be the ones that are going into the school, they're going to be in control. They're going to look the part. They're going to know the material and talk the part. And these kids are going to sit there and realize, okay, they care. They're there for 32 weeks. It's a 32-week program. And that, that's the difference versus what they're not getting at home. And the only thing we're trying to do is hope that while we have them in school as a captive audience for this program, that they grab something when they get out in the community that they can be confronted with a certain situation of do this or do this, that they do the right thing and think back to what they learned in school that day when Trooper Harris or another officer was in there talking to them about these important character traits. Mm -hmm. And so the value, <clears throat> the fact that Matt is intentionally going after this relationship in his own unique way between police and community, talk about the communal value of that bishop. It's invaluable because you know that the, the tension between law enforcement and citizens, especially in the African-American community all over the country is a very tense relationship. Things have happened and without getting into, uh, into all of those details, the relationship has been extremely strained. But um, as Matt so adequately stated that if you get in trouble, you're gonna call the police. If there's a problem, you're going to call the police. If someone is broken into your home, you're going to call the police. So um, the, the law enforcement is a necessity within the confines of a community. So it's only common sense that you would have or develop a good relationship. I like um, what, what Matt is doing in the development. It is a de developmental stages of teaching our young people. They may want to be a police officer or a state trooper one day, but even that, learning how to respect people in authority, it is critical, not only with law enforcement, but even in the workplace, mm -hmm. even at home. Right. You know, I could not call uh, my father by his first name or call my mother by her first name, you know, mama or daddy or whatever the case may be, but I was not going to call them by their first name. They taught me how to respect authority. And I think those dynamics are, are, are critical dynamics in the development of a community. Mm -hmm. So you both are doers, <clears throat> to say the least. Matt, you started in a school. Talk about the growth of character, be about it. 
right now you're in how many schools? Uh, 18 schools. You're in 18 schools. Started with one school back in 2013. Mm -hmm. And so right now the, the momentum is only telling me and the data that's only telling me that this is going to continue to grow. And that's exciting, but we have to grow the right way and continue to do it the right way. And uh, we want to continue that. So there are a lot of um, other areas, not just in Pennsylvania, around the country that are taking an interest in the program. And that is exciting because the 100 to 1,000 students that are getting the program here in the Erie School Districts, that can transcend to thousands and maybe millions of students all over the country doing it the right way that are going to get a good program and be effective in, in that school to prison cycle, which is so devastating right now across the country. So the fact that it's grown so much in such a short amount of time, it's been how many years roughly? Yeah, um, seven years. Okay, so that's an endorsement of not just the students, but of the educational system that the students are, belong to on a day-to-day -day basis. Right. What do you think resonates with not just the, the teachers, but the administration uh, in such a way that they are allowing this to grow within their school district? Well, once again, teachers are mandated and they have a full plate. This is, it is what it is. Versus when we were growing up to where, where teachers are right now, it's a totally different. Mm -hmm. And the students coming into schools are totally different. That dynamic has changed uh, 200%, if not more. And so teachers are mandated by statistics and data and having to make sure that these XYZs are done. Character development's not mandated in Pennsylvania and for that matter, majority of the states in the country. If you don't have good character from grit, self-regulation, hope, integrity, and those different things, then how are you gonna truly learn? So a program like this, yeah, you're not gonna save every student. We, we know this, but if you can reach a few students, a pop, it's gonna make a difference and transcend that whole climate of that school. And the principals and the administration are telling me that and the data speaking for it also. Mm -hmm. So you've experienced wonderful growth with your program. Bishop, in terms of growth, you've gone a step beyond that and you have taken it upon yourself to build something of substance for the community, the children of the community, the adults and young adults of the community. And we've watched this growth over the years, you know, when, when you think about, I, I was in a class one time and the person instructing spoke about this from a nefarious standpoint and they posed a question to us as students. Why is it that those with ill intent are always the most ambitious in community? That's the person that wants to take whatever they're doing and spread it to as many people as expeditiously, as far and wide as they can, but a person that has a benevolent mission is not as determined to grow that mission, to have it spread. Why, why are you taking it upon yourself? Because you don't seem to have any limitations. You want this Eagle's Nest brand and everything that, that you're trying to accomplish for community. It seems that you want it to spread to as many people as possible. Talk about that. Well, there's a mandate, number one. That's why we're doing the Eagle's Nest School of Academic Distinction for fifth and sixth graders, which will open up in September. It's another thing on our plate. We've uh, developed a campus setting over on Pennsylvania Avenue where they, they named the street Bishop Brock Way for some strange reason. <laughs> I, I thought I would put that plug in. But nevertheless, and we have the photo to prove it. <laughs> okay. But it is, oh, okay. But nevertheless, it is, it is something that it, it breaks a, a cycle of mediocrity 
it destroys uh, stereotypes, and it pushes uh, character. It pushes um, excellence and exceptionality and those dynamics that we have seemed to have lost across the years. It's, it's imperative that uh, what Matt is doing, what you are doing, and what we are doing and people um, serving like we serve, that this thing become a contagious flame of enthusiasm. It needs to spread from, uh, from what we are doing to all of the churches, all of the educational institutions, all of the uh, neighborhood centers, all of the uh, nonprofits within our city, because if we, if we don't invest within our community, if we don't invest within in, in our community, we're going to have a permanent underclass in Erie, Pennsylvania. Mm -hmm. And that is totally unacceptable. So we, we take young people and we invest in them. And when we invest in them, we invest in them with the expectation of a positive return. So this is, you're listening to Next on WQLN Radio. I'm your host, Marcus Atkinson. You're watching Next on WQLN. I'm your host, Marcus Atkinson. We're here in studio with uh, Matt Harris from Character Be About It and Bishop Dwayne Brock from the Eagle's Nest. Cycle of mediocrity, I believe that's the term that you used last month, going back to the show that we had, the pre-Father's Day show with Mr. Donald Middleton of his book, Conversations with My Dad. He talked about various cycles, and at some point, these are all cycles that we're involved in. Cycles run everything, cycles and systems, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, reproductive system, digestive yep. system, the criminal justice system. I want you to unpack just a little more about this whole idea of a cycle, because I think that if a, if a person hasn't interfaced with it or has been um, separated from it, the average person may not have an understanding of how cycles oh, wow. and something that's systemic can just sweep you. If you don't have someone intentionally trying to pull you out of that thing, you get swept away in it. Go there, please. Let's, let's, let's get down to the nitty gritty about right. that, okay? Mm -hmm. And I'm sure Matt would agree he's seen it himself. Many, many things and many negative cycles are generational within the community. It's not just, it's not just a black community. Right. It's everywhere. Right. So the, the grandfather is seen, the grandfather is seen being abusive to his wife. Well, the cycle continues. That's all the father, his son sees. So he, be, he thinks it's okay to be abusive to his wife. Mm -hmm. And then it goes down to the son. He sees the same thing, and it goes down to his son. He sees the same thing. Not just abuse, it could be drugs. I've seen it happen. I've, I have seen entire families where drug addiction or drug usage and or selling drugs has gone from generation to generation to generation to generation to generation. I have seen the, the cycle of poverty go from generation to generation to generation to generation to generation. Those cycles must be broken, and they can be broken. There is a method, there is a way that those cycles can be broken. And so that's what we do. That's what you do on a day-by-day -day basis. That's what Matt does on a day-by-day -day basis. That's what we do on a day-by-day -day basis. We take young people who are caught in, in these devilish 
vortexes, these cycles. We, we take young people and we give them hope. We give them expectation to allow them to know it can be broken. And if you hang, if you, if you hang around the right people at the right time, those cycles will be broken. So let's mm -hmm. use Bishop's language, this vortex. I like that, the yeah. vortex of, because you think physically about a tornado, anything like that, it has a great deal of energy right. that's working its way through a community. And you and I both know if something is in its path, Making sure that that thing doesn't get sucked in takes a great deal of effort and energy. So I want you to reflect on the students that you've come across mm -hmm. in these years that are caught in these cycles. Mm -hmm. Speak about the energy and the intentionality that it's taking. I can't say has taken because I know this is a work in progress. Right. That it's taking to pull these children out of these cycles. Going back to the generational, I've gone and we've arrested grandfather, father, son you pull their criminal rec the records up and you're going over years over years over years it's the same cycle and as bishop was talking that that resonated it came back you know i've been away for a while from from law enforcement but those are some of the things that stick with you so when you have a student in your class when we have an introduction of the program and there's q a to the to the trooper student raises their hand yeah you arrested my dad Oh, okay, wow. well, we'll talk about that later on, but let's get on to the program. Those are real conversations, and that's a relationship that that student knows a police officer by, by arresting a, a caretaker or a sibling or a family member. Those are things that you have to now spend a little more time with that student and get he or she to understand, I had a job to do, and you try not to bring those things up, but you have to give that, t that student a little more attention on integrity hope you have to really kind of watch that student mm. now and you have a lot of students that are in in the classroom you have 11,000 students here in the city of Erie so you have a, a quite a few students that our officers are doing a great job in doing that but they have to give a little more attention to those students that may be acting out or have these uh, generational situations unfortunate situations of them and that's what we're doing I met a fourth grade teacher at a local elementary school and she does current events and she would bring the newspaper in and she said she had to stop doing current events. The last question she asked before she stopped doing this was, it just dawned on her that there's two degrees of separation in this community. And she said, show her hands if you've ever had someone in your family shot, shot at mm -hmm. or incarcerated for something involved in shooting. These were third graders. Mm -hmm. Hands went up throughout the class. She's telling me this story with tears in her eyes, heartbroken. Mm -hmm. And so when you talk about cycles that these kids are caught up in, that was just kind of indicative of the conversation. Bishop, you've been here for a long time. You've been in this work for a long time. Give us kind of a state of the union, a state of the community snapshot from your vantage point because very few people from the upper echelons of business in the, the spiritual realm and the, the spiritual and religious community and to the grassroots of the day-to-day -day, um, affairs. Very few people get a holistic view of their community the way you do. Where are we at right now as a community and what should we be really leaning into if we want to progress as a community? I think we are in or at a strategic inflection point 
Uh, I'm saying it this way because I had a conversation with a very, very influential gentleman just the other day, and I told him, I said, we all know the Bible story about Moses, and Moses was, was commissioned by God to take the children of Israel out of Egypt land. We all grew up with the story. We all know that story. I said, but the part we don't know and realize is that Moses had a very, very difficult reality. He had a reality check. Not only did he have to take the children of Israel out of Egypt land, then he had to take Egypt land out of the children of Israel. Okay, so that vortex again, changing the mind of individuals, instilling a sense of hope in individuals, letting people know that you can make it and you will make it through hard work, through character development, determination. Right now, there is an exodus of people leaving, of, of, of African-American people leaving Erie, Pennsylvania, under the guise that there is nothing here. Right. There's nothing for them here. I, I hear that repeatedly over and over and over again, and I shudder because they just don't understand. There is an economic sprawl happening within our city right now. The doors of opportunity are opening in our city right now. Wherever you see buildings going up, okay, that, that is a gross national product. Buildings going up. You have the, uh, the textile industry. You got the wood industry. You got the concrete industry. You got the glazer industry. You got the electronic industry. You, you have so many industries involved in that. But once again, people have not seen that. They don't understand the flow of prosperity. So they think, well, I got to go somewhere else to make it. No, you can make it right here. But your responsibility is that when the door of opportunity opens, you must be prepared. Yep. Okay, that's personal responsibility. It is no one else's job for you to be prepared. You have to prepare yourself. That's attitude. Okay, so what we're, what we're talking about is preparation meeting opportunity mm -hmm. that builds success mm -hmm. anywhere around the world. And so once again, it is a change of the mindset. So with this economic sprawl happening within our community right now, if we can spread the message of preparation, that means in school, getting proper education, learning how to say no to foolish distractions that will only gratify you for a moment, saying no to that, saying no to this, and concentrating on personal development, personal responsibility, character development, what, what Matt is doing, what you are doing, developing those principles in life that will catapult you on the wings of eagles, Okay, <laughs> then, then you're going you're going to make it then. So that's where I see uh, uh, um, Erie, Pennsylvania. Let me say this real quick. When it came out in the news, it, it just made me cringe when they said, well, Erie, Pennsylvania yeah, is the worst place in America, in America for African-American males. No, I totally I didn't agree with it. Now, I'm, I know there are situations we have. There are problems we have. There are challenges we have. I deal with that on a day-by-day -day basis. You do as well. You do as well. Mm -hmm. Okay? But if you've ever been to the south side of Chicago, <laughs> okay, where they're, 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 I mean, there are funeral directors becoming millionaires because of black-on-black -black crime and, 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 and black people killing each other, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And that's bad. 
Okay, it's, it's, it hasn't reached that yet within our town. Right. Do we have issues? Yes. Do we have problems? Yes. But we cannot uh, just negatively exacerbate what the challenge is. We must get in there, roll up our sleeves, and begin to serve our communities. Mm -hmm. And when we learn to do that, I guarantee you we're going to see a better community and a better Erie, Pennsylvania. Bishop gave us a lot to chew on there, Matt. I heard you over here on the sideline. It's kind of affirming some of the thoughts that he talked about. Yeah. The state of the Erie community from your perspective, where does character be about it play into all of that? Character be about it, to me, going to prevention. There's not enough prevention in the schools, in the centers, in the churches. Uh, there needs to be more prevention. We're mm -hmm. For 20 years, I'll go back to me being a, a Pennsylvania State Trooper. I did things reacting. I reacted to accidents. I reacted to burglaries and those things. Erie needs to jump on board with prevention. They're like, like the bishop said, there's a lot of economic development going on, which is great. Giving these students, our K through eight students and even high school students, students, the opportunity of seeing that there is hope and that they can do better if they want. Mm -hmm. Little hard work, what we talked about with my father's segment and Ending, I go back to ending that, or breaking the cycle of that school to prison cycle and not being satisfied with the status quo. You can do better, hard work, and those are some of the things that prevented it. My program's a preventative program, so care to be about it, I think is a need, it's a must. We want to sustain this, we want this long term because these students, and the data showing these students are getting it on top of what Bishop is working on with the Eagle's Nest and all the great things, all these pieces we're doers and we're workers and we're making things happen. And I think that's an important part. And I think that's why you have us here this morning. I was looking at an interview with the rapper formerly known as Ice-T. Now he's, he's Ice-T, the actor. <laughs> Plays the cop on television when he was right. in trouble for the song Cop Killer once upon a time ago. Yeah, that's true. He talked about when he was a pimp back in the days of being Tracy Murray. And he would go through hustle withdrawal and all these kind of things. But my point is this. He figured out that the same stuff that made him an effective pimp was the same stuff that made him a tenacious actor. It was the same stick to that helped that helped him just kind of push through a very nasty and negative industry. So that goes to something that you teach our children and you talk about, which is grit. And so many of these kids are born with that special something, right. that grit, right. where that thing inside of them can help them outperform the average child if only they're taught to harness it and tap into it. When you talk to our children about grit, give us a snapshot of some of what's said and, and your thoughts on it. Yeah, grit is not giving up and being focused on the task at hand and, and hopefully the right task at hand. Um, kids these days are too easy to go in and say, I don't want to put in the hard work to study for this test. I don't want to put in the hard work to become a Division One, Division Two athlete to do my best. It's easier for them to, nah, I'll do, I'll do the like my father talked about doing it 110%. I'll do 50% just to get by. Okay, grit, true grit is going to help you take it to the next level. So our officers are in school, troopers are in school talking to our class, and we're talking about grit, understanding the definition of it, what it means to that officer in his day to day. Everything that we do trait by trait, that officer speaks to why self-regulation, why these traits keep them safe and keep them going home. Um, and so those students are gonna understand that. They're gonna understand that grit, if I do things half, half, then I might not go home. Yeah, I said, I, I caught myself. Gotcha. 
<laughs> that if I have true grit and then I have to go and true. do my job 100%, I could get hurt if I don't. Mm -hmm. And so there's a lesson between every, every story that the troopers are telling and those traits, but grit is one that a lot of students more don't get. And it's crucial, mm -hmm. crucial, more, more today than ever that these students understand talking about that. And that's so, how it's broken down. So in a figurative sense, Bishop, you are presented all of these individual lumps of coal, many of which don't have the full understanding that if, if applied enough pressure, if, if enough <laughs> energy is expended, there's diamonds under there, right? Go ahead. It's, Go I ahead got, the, free, I got the bishop next to me, Go ahead and, free, and so boy. it's coming out. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, you, you, you right. spend a lot of time helping people tap into, because I've seen so many individuals that you've worked with over the years and helping them manifest what's already there. You got it. Talk about that. Well, let's eliminate excuses. Hmm. We have to eliminate excuses. You, you can do. Right. You can achieve. You can be successful. This is the pathway. Now, we have to try to tap into your attitude, all right? But, but having that true grit, for an example, if I, if, if I, if I take $5 or $7, folk may laugh at it. But if I put that $7 up and I put it up and I put it up and I put it up every week, and every week, and every week, pretty soon, I'm going to have a lump sum of money. Let me give you an example. Right now, we're you've been there. We have, uh, we have, I think we have a pretty nice-looking campus mm -hmm. area. Okay, I was able, I was able to take property off the market with four thousand dollars that I put up with spare change. Okay, grit. If you want to do something, you can do it. Right. But you have to be able to stick to it. That's your responsibility right. to say no to, to foolish distractions. And look, those distractions may be a boyfriend. It may be a girlfriend. Mm -hmm. It may be some meaningless sex or whatever the case may be, going out drinking or whatever. You know, you know that if you, if, if you have to get up and go to work on Monday morning at 6 a.m., why are you out in the street Sunday night at 12 midnight? Doesn't make any sense. Mm -hmm. So what we try to do is identify those excuses, eliminate that foolishness, and develop that sense of, of, of true grit inside that person mm -hmm. that they already have. We want to even eliminate teachers that tell our kids that they cannot learn and that they're no good. We want to eliminate that because, you know, this child may have a problem reading, but, but, but every child has a motivation point that if, that if we can tap into that motivation point of that child, they're going to learn. Uh, my son had a problem reading. He, had, he just had a problem reading, but... If you if 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 I put a broken VCR in front of him or a broken computer in front of him, he could fix it just like that. So every child can do, okay? They just have to have a pathway to do, and we teach them mm -hmm. how to stick to it. Right. That's that is is very simplistic, yeah. but it's very doable. So yeah. last question, and I say last question because I'm gonna give you enough time to unpack this. Take fathers out of it be it in community, 
along your journey, occupationally, give me the person that you have found yourself saying, that's what excellence looks like. That's what excellence looks like. And I'm going to glean from this example and pull some of that into this journey and utilize it. Who would take fathers out of it? Who is that person? I love it when there's a pause. That means it's a good question. And they are both thinking about that question. Who is that person? Well, th there is a, a friend of mine, an older gentleman, mm -hmm. who lives in uh, Los Angeles, California. And um, he was the first African-American uh, male minister on nationwide television, Dr. Frederick Casey Price. Mm. I've had an opportunity to befriend him. I've been in his home many times. Uh, I, uh, my wife and I, we have flown back here on his private jet, and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Oh, Skip the tickets. Oh, <laughs> we'll leave that alone. But when I first went out to, to, to California um, to see him, he made me go to school. So I so he has twenty two thousand members within his church right there in, in in the ghetto in the ghetto, teaching individuals that you can do you can achieve you can have but it, it takes hard work it takes God it takes application it takes focus and you can do it so he he made us go to school. We were there for two weeks staying in his home. Eight hours a day, we had to go to school, which meant we went to the campus of the Pepperdine University, which he purchased. He mm. bought the campus of the Pepperdine University, mm. and every part of his ministry, he made us go to school and learn it and say that this thing can be duplicated anywhere. But not only that, personal character, personal development, integrity, you know, uh, uh, the way you walk, the way you, you, you develop a, a good, wholesome reputation as a man, the way that you treat your wife, the way that you treat the members, the way that you treat someone less fortunate than you. I mean, he, he, uh, Dr. Frederick Casey Price, in my personal um, book, is, is a consummate example of what uh, achievement and what manhood uh, is, is all about. Mm. Matt, if I have to take my father out of the equation, then I'm going to put my mom there. I heard that. My mom, uh, look, looking back and as Bishop was talking, thinking about my childhood and how we grew up, as my father mentioned earlier in the earlier segment, he worked two jobs and was the caretaker and put food on the table for us. And my mother made sure that we were on point from A to Z. You name it, we were on point from taking the trash out to shoveling to mm. books to getting up on time, being at practice on time, football practice. It was my mom who guided us with the thought process that if you want something, you got to work hard. You see what your dad's doing. Mm -hmm. If you want to be the best, you can be the best. Don't let anyone tell you that you can't do something. And that was instilled in us and from books to athletics to who we are as a person 
treating people like you want to be treated. Even in my position as a trooper, you know, I'm talking to my mom about different situations and um, I had that authority. That doesn't mean anything. If I had to arrest a, a, a someone who had 10 felonies on his record, I treated that person with respect until he went over the line and then I had to go over the line. But those things I was taught and I treated everyone fairly no matter what I did, who it was, no matter what you look like, those are the things that were instilled in me to this day. And mom was the one, and she's still the one that we, she's mom, you know, Mama Harris. <laughs> you go to Mama Harris if you have situations and questions about anything. She knows, <laughs> she knows, she knows. Why is it, why is it, it's unbelievable. So she's the person that I look up to, that I talk to about different things, and she's that guiding light mm -hmm. and... That's who, that's who I would say is, is put me in a situation where we're at. So in closing, <clears throat> very quickly, if people want to learn more about your program, mm -hmm. they would do what? Yeah, go to www.characterbeaboutit.org, www.characterbeaboutit.org. You can email me personally at matt, M-A-T-T, -T, at characterbeaboutit.org, and look at the website, great website, very detailed. Uh, there's a six-minute video on the website that shows the program in action and a lot of information there. And um, I think you'll find it very interesting. And we're looking to take this thing to the next level and affect thousands and millions of students. For those that want to know more about the Eagles Nest, what should they do? Well, uh, call our office, 874-3091. We're over on Pennsylvania Avenue, Bishop Brock Way. <laughs> and and uh, just come by. Our office is open every day, and we would love to see you. We would love to sit down and talk with you about um, the programming. And um, if, if I could, real quick, I just want to, again, thank you and thank Matt, uh, you two gentlemen are stellar. Thank Our you. community thank is you. in great shape thank you, Bishop. because of, of people like yourself. And I mean that, you know I'm the type of person, if I didn't mean it, I wouldn't say it. Mm -hmm. So I just wanna thank both of you for the work that you do and the service that you give. And thanks for this opportunity. Thank you, Bishop. Likewise, thank you, Bishop. Great job, thank you. What well, we appreciate these gentlemen <laughs> being on the show, uh, they are both very busy people. And whenever you take the time to slow down a little bit and bless the community with uh, the, the knowledge that you've amassed and the things that you're doing, it's always a good thing. We want the community to be informed and we want people to understand what's going on. I wanna thank the sponsors of Next in Perspective, Infinity Resources, the Erie County DA's office, the Robert Benjamin Wiley Community Charter School. And this has been Marcus, uh, Marcus Agasson on Next WQLN. Thank you for tuning in. Join us next month as we explore another timely topic with local guests. For radio, tune in to 91.3 FM on the fourth Sunday of the month at 4 p.m. Uh, for next, I'm Marcus Atkinson. We will see you all next time. Mm -hmm.